I believe a huge part is is your preparation, and and that's with hockey. That's the biggest thing. I mean, we train all year long, all summer long, every single day on certain aspects and what we really want to capitalize on and, you know, really focusing under, you know, when you're really exhausted or really tired, you push yourself to that limit so that you can push it a little bit further and a little bit further. And your mind is working right the way you train it to in that moment where you need to have that killer instinct. And same thing in the Elkwoods. I mean, you can go and hike, you know, 14, 15 miles a day, whatever guys do. And you may get that one chance after an entire week or 10 days or whatever it is. And you just let your mind sleep for a second where you should be on and, and you know, you miss your opportunity. So these are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. Let's start with uh, introductions. Days before beauty, Marsh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but you're older than I am. Yeah, yeah, but like you're, you know, you've been in the league longer, you're supposed to be a veteran. All right. So, uh, Brad Marshawn, uh, Kevin and I uh, started March Milko, um, just a hunting company, and then uh, now we re- more recently got into outfitting business. Uh, with moose and caribou and black bear, but uh, live on the East Coast and in Boston. Um, always growing up, being a big hunter, had to put it on the kind of on the sidelines for a little bit while I kind of pursued my career. And now really getting back into it uh, big time last number of years and, and uh, have a huge passion for it. Um, and now it, it really consumes my every day. So that's kind of where I stand. That's awesome. Uh, my name's Kevin Miller. Um, I live in uh, just outside of Park City, Utah. I'm originally from California, but uh, left there a while ago. And um, Brad and I, we've been teammates for going on eight years now. And uh, we, we've we had a lot. And, and uh, say again, what? Huh? Too long. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Holy smokes, it's been a long time. But no, uh, we've, uh, we, we, uh, we enjoy hunting. We enjoy sharing that, that passion of ours. And uh, we're, we're, Looking forward to kind of that's kind of why we started this company, Marshmoko, is to kind of share our power. I'm uh, I'm a little bit late to the dance. marsh has been hunting his whole life, and um, I've been fishing with my dad and, and um, backpacking and doing that whole thing, and did some did a little bit of hunting. I have some cousins out in Montana that that own a lodge, and, and I did a little bit of hunting at a young age. And um, obviously with with hockey and, and fall, it it makes it tough to do fall hunting. So that was kind of put on the wayside, and, and I've uh, recently kind of picked that back up, and, and that passion has been. Uh, been uh, burning ever since so we've we've really enjoyed it and and uh, we're definitely we're uh, we have a fall this year that we've never had before so we've taken advantage and, and um, looking forward to chatting about it yeah wouldn't that be nice if uh if hockey just stayed you know after uh after the first of the year and you guys could have every fall to hunt from now on we've yeah, totally been asking. inputting that to people at the pa like hey guys this january to august thing's great let's keep doing this yeah, yeah. Not we'll bad. take October and November off every year. We don't yeah. mind that. <laughs> so are we going to get a hockey season in the first of the year? You guys know yet? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to start. Uh, I mean, right now it's looking in between January, February. Yeah. Um, we're probably looking towards the earlier part of January. But, I mean, it, it's changing day to day, obviously, with what the new rules and everything are. Um, and I think they're trying to figure out exactly how it's going to play out. But. I think we're kind of uh, predicting and, you know, somewhere in the middle of January is probably what's going to happen, but it's all up in the air right now. That's just kind of us guessing. Uh, we really don't know. We're, we're, we're waiting on a word right now. Gotcha. Now, Kevin, how does a dude from Santa Clarita start playing hockey? Like, shouldn't you have been surfing or like, you know, working a kale salad latte or something? We're in an outburger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, it's it's I mean, it's a funny story, I guess. When you know when Gretzky moved out to L.A., hockey was kind of blowing up. Um, I think I'm a product of that. Uh, I had an old, I had an older brother and a younger brother, and we just moved into a 
a new house and I was five and, and we had a neighbor down the street who, you know, who saw us playing roller hockey on the driveway. And he's like, Hey, you want to want to play some ice hockey? And my dad was a football player growing up and, uh, you know, doesn't, wasn't really pushing us in any direction. He just wanted us to do something. And, and I picked it up when I was like about five or six and, um, uh, I knew that was what I wanted to do. So I've been, been doing it ever since. And I left, uh, I played travel hockey in California until I was about uh, 15, and then I, I moved back east. But I've been back east basically ever since. And, Brad, it's probably mandatory for you, right? Yeah, I mean, we don't really have a choice. As soon as you <laughs> kind of come out, you're, you're thrown on skates, stuck on a pond, and, and uh, we kind of brought up. You're, you're an outcast if you play any other sport, you know, basketball or football. You're kind of the weird guy, so – uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much born with skates on. And I mean, that's, that's really all you can do. I and mean, it's snow and ice all basically all spring, fall and, and, uh, winter. So, um, not a whole lot of time to do anything else anyways, but it, you know, it's a fun sport and, and, uh, allows us to have an opportunity to, you know, do something fun and, and, uh, at least be outside. So it, you know, it's enjoyable. So I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I don't know a ton about hockey, but I really enjoy watching it. Um, I don't have any business participating in any aspect of it, but it is a great sport to watch. And, uh, and there's a lot of similarities, I think, between hockey and hunting. And I think each of you guys possess skills on the ice that translates into um, skill, skill in the field. And uh, I was thinking about this, and I, I really want to ask you about it. But especially in the realm of elk hunting, because you got into archery elk a little bit uh, this this season, right? The last few years, I know myself, I started doing it three or four years ago. I actually got so hooked on it, I bought a place in Colorado for uh, elk and deer hunting. And um, Millsy has gotten into it the uh, last couple of years and crushed it this year. He had a, he had a great uh, elk season. So, uh, yeah, we've really been getting into it. Tell me about your elk season. Kevin? So, you know, obviously we've had a fall like we've never had before. So um, I uh, I circled some things on the calendar that I, I wanted to be a part of. Um, last year, um, there's, a, there's a place called West Canyon Ranch uh, out in Logan, Utah, or Paradise, Utah. And um, I went and shot uh, a buffalo out there. That was kind of like my my uh, introduction to bow hunting, really. Um, it's an animal that, I, you know, that I've always really wanted to, to hunt and it's something that I kind of – Hold in a high regard, so it's something I wanted to do, um, and that was kind of what 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 hooked me. You know, it's an elk, it's an elk uh, elk ranch, and they have some bison there as well. And um, you know, I saw some of the elk out there, and I'd always really wanted to get into it, uh, whether it be rifle or archery. And I think my my love for archery had kind of really grown um, after that hunt. We do some some turkey, some deer, the whole thing, and it's really I think it's I, I don't know, it's something primal about it for me. Um, and then this year. Um, there's a few things that we had planned. Like I wanted to go back to West Canyon Ranch and, um, and harvest an elk. And so I, I circled that one on the date. And then following that, um, I went to Colorado. It was, it was our first Martian Milko veteran hunt. So we had uh, sponsored a guy named Anthony Orsini. He's a uh, U.S. Air Force. He's actually not a veteran. He's still active duty. Um, but we brought him out on a, a over-the-counter elk hunt. And uh, we did that for seven days. And that was September 7th through the – uh, 15th or something like that or 16th and uh we just got absolutely hammered um just as far as like snow wise <laughs> and it, it, we didn't get hammered man we, no, we we got we got we got dumped on um we got the first our, our first camp we had some guys that had to do some scouting for us and and uh we got we got 12 inches um the first night and then we picked up move camp and then three days later we got another 12 inches on our other camp so it was a lot of fun. We got, we got buried and, uh, we did have, we did have some, some opportunities, some elk. We just didn't harvest one. Um, and then from there I drew the, uh, Montana combo tag, uh, rifle, I, I guess it's archery or rifle, but, um, and, uh, so it's elk and either mule deer or white and went out to, to Montana. That was uh, October 30th through September 7th. And I did a, um, I did a horseback, um uh, pack trip in and um and hunted from there and i was in uh the um in ennis montana and i was able to harvest a, a nice elk there and uh a nice white tail. Tail. yeah cool. so we had a blast now your your start with bruins was uh was 
kind of tough. You had some setbacks those first couple of years, didn't you? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a number of setbacks. Yeah. <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest, uh, so I I came out of college and uh, I was not drafted. Signed as a free agent. Uh, I'm on a PTO with Bruins uh, AHL team, and then uh, I was fortunate a couple weeks later to sign an NHL contract. I spent uh, a few years in the AHL and then was called up after two years, and um, I've been with them ever since. But I've had a setbacks. Um, I guess if you want to call them injuries, I've had a number of those. And uh, I guess it's just the product of my style of play, I guess. And um, it's part of the game. And uh, But we're, we're, we're back at it. Coming back this year and Marcy stuck with me for another year. And uh, <laughs> we're excited about it. But that, that attitude on the ice, that perseverance and ability to work through injuries, work through setbacks of all different kinds, um, that's exactly what it takes in the Elkwoods. And you get a bad weather event. Um, you know, the elk aren't, aren't there. They aren't working with you. Elk will just beat you up. And I think that's the thing that people love about elk hunting and, and the thing that they hate about it too. And that causes them to, to go home and eat their tag afterwards. A lot of times is that it is really hard, but if you do stick with it, you can have some really incredible experiences like what turned out in, in Ennis and you didn't get eaten by a grizzly bear, which is nice. The, the, the crazy thing, I'll give you a quick story about Ennis, was like, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, my cousin had set it up. I really didn't. Honestly, like, I, you know, like, I, I've never been around Grizzlies before. I have no idea about that stuff. Like, I brought my 45. I had it with me. And uh, the guy who took me out, he's just like, hey, man, you, you, you know, do you know how to use that thing? I'm like, you know, like, I can fire it. And then he's like, do you have bear spray? I'm like, no. He goes, here, here bring this. You're probably better off with this than you are with that. And he's probably right. I can't have the broadside of a bar with my handgun. But at the same time, like, uh, we were in Tolman Canyon, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that video where the guy comes down from the mountain and his ears ripped off and he's driving to the hospital and he's talking about it. Like, I just got mauled by a grizzly. He came back an hour later, mauled me again. And then, he, you know, he walked out of there for like three miles and like got in his car and he's video self, video on him. And uh, I'm, I'm halfway up the mountain with this guy. He's like, yeah, you seen that video? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that was right here, <laughs> pointing at where it was. <laughs> And uh, so that, that kind of, that kind of shook me mountain. a little bit. Yeah, I was like, oh, so we're turning around now. But, Let's um, go away, Dylan. Yeah, seriously. And then the best part about it, well, the funny part about it is, is uh, the first day we packed in, uh, it's, it's about a two and a half hour pack in on a horse. And, and I probably packed 20 pounds of stuff over that I didn't need. I'm just kind of OCD about stuff. And we get in there, it's two and a half hours in. And he goes, you know, grab your gun. We're going to hike up here. I'm like, all right, great. Got it over my shoulder. He goes, hey, just just load around in there and, and uh, make sure we're good to go. We're just going to walk up here a little bit. So I go to pull my bolt back and load around and uh, forgot all my ammo. <laughs> what? I forgot all my ammo. forgot the magazine and my ammo. Oh, <laughs> brutal. No, so we were, I mean, we, I didn't have my handgun at that point either. I had no bullets. We were just, uh, you know, these are, these are things that like you learn as a 13 year old, like when your dad. <laughs> brings you out and like i'm learning these things now so we, we got a good laugh yeah oh man um that's 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 tough that's a real kick in the knocker yeah, yeah. it is for sure <laughs> but we went back tomorrow we went back the next day and i brought my ammo and we shot a nice elk and, and it was all gravy after that so yeah. no complaints all's well that ends well in the same vein brad with uh with elk hunting you know i was thinking about about your style of play on the ice and I was thinking about the actual act of calling in a bull elk during archery season. And a lot of what you're doing is just antagonizing that animal and trying to get them into an emotional state where they're willing to make a really bad decision that costs them everything. And that's really what you do to other players on the ice. Yeah, that's, that's on it. The nail on the head. Yeah, no, we, uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of what, that's one of the things that drew me to, to love elk hunting so much is when I, I mean, the first time you hear a bugle, you, just, you know, you, you get so fired and it's like that every time you hear one and, um, you know, that, that art, it, it really is an art. I mean, you, you see the best elk callers and the guys who can, you know, you just like, they sound like a legit elk and, and they're just, they know what they're doing. They, they practice so much and they know how to get them to respond. That's kind of what, I've learned how to do on the ice is how to get people to react and, and make bad decisions and all kind of, and that's what you want. You want them to make a bad decision that uh, ultimately you're going to capitalize on. And, and uh, you know, it's a game and, and it's, you're trying to beat them and, and uh, in their environment. And 
that's just so incredible. I think when I when I really first started learning it, the first year I went out there, and I uh, to Colorado, and I could have shot one the first morning, and I missed a bullet, forty yards or something like that, and I don't think I saw another one the rest of the trip. And uh, it, I really like the more you learn about it, just like with the thermals and the wind and and how they move and how they act, it just especially on the East coast is not really anything we grew up learning. So the, the more you, you learn and then you get to understand how they are in their home environment and, and then to go in there and to, to be able to call them in and set up and, and to be able to beat them in that environment. There's nothing like it. I mean, it, it's part of the whole hunt. And I mean, that's the argument that you have, especially here in, in Boston where people aren't always big hunters. And I talk a lot about elk hunting is you know, they view it as the the hunt is is about killing, and that's not what it's about. It's about the rest of it, right? Like you might it might take five seconds to shoot an animal, but the rest of the week or two weeks or the month that you're in the woods and all the things that led up to it and your your the game plan that you put together and how you get an animal to respond to you, that's what it's all about. And whether you get one or not, and uh, I think that's what people fail to to understand. But that's what I love about it, and and uh, you know, it's just about knowing that I forced an animal or I got an animal to make a bad decision and I was able to capitalize that. And that's the same as on the ice. You know? Yeah. Well, another similarity is that with uh, with hunting, it's, it's a grind throughout a season, right? Or even if you're doing a, a hunt that's only five days long, if you're sure enough hunting for five days straight, you're smoked by the, by the end of that. Um, if you're going yeah. 10 days, even more so. I know very few people who can actually go 10 days. Um, but you, you kind of have this, this slow burn and, and steady grind, but then there are moments that count very much and it's a game of absolute seconds and inches. And I feel like that's another similarity to what you guys are doing. You know, you've got a very long season, you're playing a thousand games a year and you know, you're running these, these two minute shifts that are, you know, very, very intense. But within that, there's just a second or two that really, really matters. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we talked about it a little bit there before that I believe a huge part is is your preparation. And, and that's with hockey, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we train all year long, all summer long, every single day on certain aspects and what we really want to capitalize on and, you know, really focusing under, you know, when you're really exhausted or really tired, you push yourself to that limit so that you can push it a little bit further and a little bit further. And and your mind is working right the way you train it to in that moment where you need to have that killer instinct. And same thing in the Elkwoods. I mean, you can go and hike, you know, 14, 15 miles a day, whatever guys do. And you may get that one chance after an entire week or 10 days or whatever it is. And you just let your mind sleep for a second where you should be on and, and, you know, you miss your opportunity. So the entire summer, whatever, the entire year you've trained was, really for nothing because you didn't capitalize on that one chance that you got. So I believe a lot of it is just your focus and preparation. And the, the more you do, the harder you work, the better chance you give yourself to succeed. And, um, you know, what at the end of those trips where maybe you're not seeing as many animals you'd like or the game plan you put together wasn't quite panning out. And then it all comes together in a matter of seconds. And, you know, if you're not prepared and you didn't train the way you should have, then, you know, you may not capitalize on that opportunity. So, that's what I love about it. It's not just the hunt. It's the preparation that leads up to it. I mean, when I'm on the road, we spend hours in our, on our, in our room and lots of time traveling. And a lot of those time I'm, you know, studying and um, looking for different game plans for in the fall. So. Um, Ask me where my on X spots are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I live in constant fear of my on X getting hacked, like bank account, whatever. Oh. Like, I can deal yeah. with that, but not my Onyx. That's invaluable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, lock that thing away. Yeah, exactly. I got a phone just for my Onyx. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I put some bad Onyx points with really good descriptions uh, in uh, in a few locations so that if the dudes back there in Bozeman ever break into my stuff, then, you know, there's a lot of bad information on there, too. No to stay away from those when I hack your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Decoy spots, smart. Yeah. Um, do you guys consider uh, hockey a violent sport? Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Do you consider hunting a violent sport? Yeah. 
little bit. What are some of those bit. similarities or differences? Uh, so I think, I guess it's just the term is the definition of violent. Um, and there's, there's a few different, you know, violent, like definitions that you would, that you would say for violent, violent. I think violent in the, like for hockey is, is not like a, like person to person violence. Um, I think it's just more of the nature of it. Um, yes, there is person to person violence. People fight it is part of the game, but I think it's more like, uh, the, the speed and, um, direction of play is, is violent. It's, it's, it's at a high, like football, you know, it's the same thing. It's a violent sport, like the velocity and the speed of the players and, and the puck and all of that, um, how guys hit, how guys are moving, um, the sudden movements left or right, forward, backward, like they're all, they're all violent moves. They're not, they're not slow. They're not methodical. They're, they're a, it's a, I think it's a violent sport in that regard. And, my only comparison to that via uh, via hunting is that it's it's a it's a different kind of violence, and I don't think it's violence in your nature that like your your traditional violent uh, definition. I think it's more of because it's not it's not like hockey and sport like in that like where it's not it's not high velocity, it's not speed, it's slowed down. Right, your senses are different in a different like tune your body's in a different tune uh but it needs to go to that violent mindset quickly when it when the time comes and i think that that's especially with archery like so that's what's cool i think that's what's like kind of draws me to it, is that you're 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 almost sleeping you're walking around you know you're kind of creeping through the woods you're being quiet and then all of a sudden you hear that bugle or that that snap of that twig and like you're you're like your senses click on your violent senses click on and it's and it's like you get very like kind of tuned in your 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 focus narrows so that that's kind of how I see it. I like that description. Uh, Mills is more of a violent person than I am, so <laughs> he can explain it like that. And I just gotta agree to agree with him. Yeah, it it is an interesting thing, and it's something that I've thought about a lot within hunting, for sure. Because you know we we are out there to kill something, and I think you have to acknowledge that. Um, and like you said, killing something isn't, isn't the hunt, right? That's like saying that, that an entire sentence is about the period. Um, it, it's not, but it is a portion of it. And yeah. a lot of people have gone away from acknowledging that. And, you know, they want to talk about other aspects so much that they lose completely, um, you know, that, that realization that, hey, you know, at, at the end of this, I am trying to take another animal's life. And then afterwards, I'm going to eat its body. Um, and that's kind of violent. And if you're on the ice, you know, skating it however fast you go and run into somebody else that's going the opposite direction, that's kind of violent. And then, you know, what happens afterwards when you drop your gloves is kind of violent too. So yeah. I think that there has to be an, an acknowledgement of that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like there has to be a recognition of it. That that, and I think that, you know, you, it's, I guess it's the nature of our culture lately is that you've gotten away from like showing and that's what, you know what, like, like Brad and I, like we, we'd like to show our mistakes or our, like uh, of the reality of it. Like, you know, and cause it's not just like this glamorized, like, Hey, it happens this way every single time when the animal dies 10 feet from where you drop it. And like, like the reality is like, you know, like my first, for instance, my first deer I shot was, a little bit back and I kind of gut shot. It was a doe and, and I saw her like go a hundred yards and, and look like she died. I walk up on her and 10 minutes later, she's still alive, like blatantly still alive, 10 feet from me. And so I had to put another arrow in her and like, I walk up to her as she's dying. And I'm like kind of holding her head a little bit. And I'm like, that is violent. And it's, it's, it's the reality of it. And I think people have kind of gotten away from showing or portraying that. And, and, and obviously, I mean, maybe cause it's a cultural base, but like there is, I don't like, you don't want to glorify it, but there is like a beauty to it, right? Like, like the hunt and the, the, the preparation put in and, and the whole thing and, and the appreciation that the hunter has for after you harvest an animal, like that's all encompassing in one thing. So like to not, for me is to, to, to say that it's not violent is, is you're losing the aspect of what's actually what's going on. Yeah. And there is a great deal of compassion and respect in, in that situation that you just described. And if people haven't experienced it, it can be hard for them to know. And it's hard for us to yeah. explain as hunters. And the move um, in recent times is just to go away from even talking about it. But 
I think, uh, you know, if, if we're going to talk about it, we need to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing I think that is part of the issue right now is everything becomes political and everyone was through social media can, everyone can voice their opinion and tell you how bad of a person you are. And a lot of people aren't used to taking heat like that and can't take heat like that and, and are comfortable in those situations. So, yeah, I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's a lot harder, or it's a lot easier to just stay away from it and, you know, try to not deal with that aspect of the hunting world. And unfortunately, you know, it it is something that we do need to talk about because if you're just sitting here saying that it is just about being out in the woods and you're not there to hunt, to kill anything, you're not going to, like, that's a lie. That's why you're out there. That is what you're doing. You're trying to harvest an animal and, um, you know, and not everybody's a meat hunter. Some guys want to shoot trophies, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that you're still going to eat and, and, you know, take the meat that you get with the hunt, whether you want a big rack with it or not. You know, you can't judge someone for that. They're, they're allowed to do whatever they – whatever's going to make them happy in the woods. I mean, they could spend an entire season every day in the woods and get, you know, shoot one animal, but that doesn't mean that they're bad, a bad person. So, you know, there's a lot of aspects that are politically – incorrect nowadays that unfortunately it takes a lot of the joy out of it but um you know it is i do believe it's good to be honest like kevin said be open with the way it is and people don't like it you don't have to watch you don't have to listen and um but it's part of who we are and part of how you know mankind's always been so you know it's a lot better than watching your your food come out of these farms where they're raised in a in a, in a barn so um, you know, that's just the other side of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about, about pressure there from, from non hunters. And then even from within the hunting community, there, there's pressure in all kinds of directions. But, uh, Brad, you, you kind of made a, a fairly high pressure, um, penalty shot one time. You want to kind of describe what the situation was with, uh, with that and kind of how you overcame that pressure. Was that in Philly where I missed the puck? <laughs> Which one are we talking about here? <laughs> I think it was in a playoff game, right? Yeah, no, I've, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, we, we've all had our, our, our good and bad moments. I've had a few bad ones and a couple of good ones. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, when you, when you talk about the high-pressure moments, I, those are the moments that I like to be part of. And uh, I like to play in when, when – the emotions are high when the when the stakes are higher. Those are the the, the times that I like to um, that I want to be part of and that I feel I feel the best in. And I don't know. I just feel like that's when you talk about sports or hockey and, and hunting. There's a lot of similarities, and that's definitely one of them. I mean, when you're in the woods and and you have an animal coming, in, especially bow hunting, and that's why I love bow hunting. I try to only bow hunt. I mean, I I, I do go hunt every now and again, but. I really love bow hunting because everything is so up close and personal and the mistakes that you make, like there's so many things that you have to do right to be successful. And it, it, they're high pressure situations. I mean, to be able to read where you need to be for an animal to come in, how he has to turn, if he is standing in a certain position, how you have to shoot, you know, when you draw back, where his head has to be, there's so, so many different things. And, um, you know, it, it and when you don't really quite re understand how difficult it is until you start bow hunting, you've been through these situations and you make a bunch of mistakes. I mean, when I first started getting into deer hunting, I made a bunch of dumb mistakes where right? I shot three arrows at the same deer at a single pin sight and I forgot to move it. I was practicing at 60 <laughs> and this deer came in at 20. I shot three arrows over its back and finally I was like, I got to quit here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> then I looked down and it's at the 60 pin. So, you know, little things like that, that you're just, your emotions are so high when you're in these situations. And then when you see something come in and your body starts shaking, you can't control yourself and you're trying to draw back and keep that pin steady. And, you know, your bow is going all over the place. I mean, things like that. And then just, but then once you realize you get in these moments and you practice and you've been through it and you start to be calm in these situations, that's what I mean. And you're able to, you know, continually be successful then you know like those are the situations you feel really good about and and now i kind of feel like i'm at that point i love being in you know 
quick situations where, you know, things are happening quick and see how I respond. And I don't always respond right, but I feel like I'm getting better and, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun. That's for damn sure. I, I think that, like, as you talk about that, Marsh, like, um, like, I think it's cool to make the connection between hockey and hunting where you talk about you first you talk about the preparation right where i think we we take a lot of like pride in our preparation for hockey um it's it's basically a 24 7 job all year round but it with hunting it's it's very similar um and i think that preparation drives like how, how you perform obviously in the woods but i think what's cool is that like i like to think that we maybe have a little bit of an advantage when it comes to hunting because of those pressure situations because you know, you're, you, Marsh, you, we, I mean, you're constantly in that position. Sometimes I'm in that position where you're under a, a great deal of pressure come playoff time, penalty shot, two-on-one, power play, things like that, where you're, you're constantly in those, like, high-pressure situations. Um, and it yeah. does translate. It does def- it definitely translates. So, sure it does. And so I, I've, saw, I've seen it. It's, like, it's a, it's a different thing. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but when you, when you do get comfortable in that, position i think maybe we i like i like to think we maybe have a little bit of advantage going into that where you're able to adjust to that quicker and and find your pin if you want to say quicker than you would normally um so i, I think it's and that's what's really drawn me like like marsh talked about to bow hunting is that like that i mean we were we were bear hunting up in maine this past this past spring and like my heart has never beated like it's beaded when a bear came in to like 15 yards from me and um i think normally i would have been if I, if I hadn't been used to having that, that sudden spike of adrenaline, I think I, I mean, I even had trouble getting my arrow back, but like without that preparation in advance, I don't think there's any chance I would have been able to draw my bow back and, and harvest that animal. Yeah, it, it is, uh, it is exciting. And I think for some people that can kind of go away as they age, um, for me, it is not shown any indication that it's going away. So I was hunting in Nebraska last week with Jordan Bud. Um, she's on, uh, the SIG hunting team, fellow guide outfitter. Um, and we were hunting together, you know, this buck came out 170 yards, like good, easy shot. I was set up on a tripod, you know, made a good shot and killed it. And, uh, when we were walking over there, she kind of giggled a little bit and she goes, you were breathing really hard. You were excited. It's like, yeah, every time, every time I'm excited. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Never goes away. For sure. I, I certainly hope not because that, that is a thrill. And, you know, now you guys are getting into the outfitting side of things and that thrill changes. And I've been guiding for 20 years and the, the, the thrill of calling in a bull for somebody else or helping them out on a bear or a buck or a turkey or a ground squirrel, whatever. It's exciting when you can share that with them and kind of experience that excitement through them. Um, so tell me about Marsh and Milko and, and the outfitting business and um, Woodland Caribou. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, we uh, we uh, I went over for a, a, a caribou hunt there last year. Uh, my family's hunted in Newfoundland for a long time. Um, and I went over and did a caribou and a moose hunt with my family, my dad and my brother. And we had an awesome trip. And uh, so we started just talking about getting an operation over there and um Mills and I started talking about it and, and one an opportunity came up that we were kind of going back and forth on and uh eventually struck a deal um so I was fortunate enough to go over this this year um Millsy could because he's an American and, and uh couldn't get over the border but I was able to weasel my way back into Canada so I went over with my dad my brother my grandfather and I, I mean it was unbelievable the caribou hunting was was insane fortunately like up there the rules are you can harvest as many animals as you have tags for and uh the tags are plenty full this year so we went over for a few few tags in our pocket um and we we're mostly focused on caribou hunting because the the tags there are really sought after they're they're not there's not many available uh and they sell it really quick so we were kind of focusing on caribou um but it was a bit of a different trip because it was the first time we've been in that area. Um, and we're trying to learn it for ourselves and for the, for the business side of it, where we need to see as much terrain as we possibly can. We need to see our, our the different camps that we have and basically trying to see how we're going to run it uh, for the next couple of years. You know, whether we're going to do spring bear hunts, if we can do spot stock bear hunts, if we can only do baited or, um, 
you know, where the best moose and best caribou are because they're in different areas, especially when we were over there in mid to late October. Um, so we're trying to see as much terrain as we can and still get a good hunt in. But, uh, I mean, the, the caribou hunting was, was incredible. And it's tough because you see beautiful caribou, and when you don't see them uh, very often, they, they look they look really big. And uh, it's hard to hold off on, on some of the ones that you see. And, you know, we're kind of driving by some and, and – like why are we not my grandfather he kind of yelled at us like why aren't you guys shooting that thing it's right there <laughs> and we're like all right yeah but you know we're, we're day two we get a long week ahead of us and uh, we can always come back and stuff so we end up harvesting some really really nice caribou and um i only my dad and my brother shot some nice moose and caribou in uh, newfoundland before and, and i i shot a small one with a bow a, a number of years back um so I really want to get a, a nice moose. So we, we focus on that one day and end up shooting a, a really nice moose as well. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's, it's an incredible spot. We're on a beautiful lake. It's, it goes for miles and miles in the country back there. You will never see another hunter. And, you know, it, it, it's like a true back country wilderness hunt. Um, and I mean, when you see these moose, like elk are big, but moose are just a different ball game. And, uh, they're just so big and, and, uh, you know, and then you yeah, had the caribou hunting there and like there's bears everywhere too. So I, it, it's just, there's so many animals up there and, um, it, it really was an awesome hunt. So, I mean, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I think we have 24 moose tags and four caribou tags and, and a bunch of bear tags as well. So, um, set, set allotments every year. Uh, so we, we, you know, we plan on doing a bunch of different stuff. Millsy mentioned before that, uh, we're going to do the uh, veteran hunt each year. So we're going to start doing that out of our lodge and, um, you know, going up there to hunt ourselves and everything. So we, we have lots of plans, uh, for the future and, and kind of getting it going, but it was a successful year this year, especially with how quick it came together. We shot some nice moose out of the lodge and some beautiful, and then we shot, we must've shot a record caribou out of it. It is gigantic we didn't have it measured yet but it is the bit i mean it looks like a like a 350 bull it's gigantic so um <laughs> it's uh it was pretty cool that's awesome well i'm looking forward to to seeing you guys develop that and seeing the adventures and and uh and chaos stories that come out of that you know if you get dudes that show up there without ammunition or whatever <laughs> sure, we'll have a couple of our stories. Oh, you live, you learn. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a different kind of funny when it's you and you're like, "All right, go ahead and shoot him." And he's like, "Yeah, and he's not the ammo." I know. It didn't happen to me on my moose, but when I shot my moose, I was trying to. You can you can have both weapons with you when you're hunting up there. So I had my gun and I was I want to shoot with my bow, and we were getting in close, and we kind of knew where it was bedded. And we walked through a puddle, and it was so stupid because I knew we were close. But <laughs> walked through the puddle, and up, and the cow staring right at me at like sixty yards. So sure enough, the bull jumps up behind it, straight on. So I was like, you know, I, I I'm not missing this. It's a nice bull. So I drop my bow and I grab my rifle and I just start shooting at it, and I run out of ammo. And the guy's like, reload, reload. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I left it back at the at the bike. So we're like, so I had to haul it back to the bike. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't know if I hit it at this point. Like, fortunately, we had a, we had a guy videoing it and reviewed the footage, found out I, I did get it in the last shot, but I was a little nervous. So I kind of looked at the guide and he was like, I don't think it's looking too good. Like, you better get back there and get some more ammo. But, uh, so I, not quite the same thing. I still got to get a couple shots off, but, uh, I didn't have to back it up. The things yeah. you learn. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, we all do that stuff, right? And uh, it is, it is just part of the chaos of learning, and and it's it is a lot of fun at the end of things. So, I was worried because I was flying out the next day, so I, I did, I had it in my vinyl pack. I had them in my vinyl pack, and I was gonna have my vinyl pack on on the airplane, like in my carry on bag. So I took them out so that I wouldn't forget them. Mm-hmm. So when I took them out through my backpack, I mean, it was super excuses, 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 excuses. Yeah. And I just had surgery too. So I'm trying to run across. Uh, barely move. <laughs> <It was brutal. laughs> 
these, it's funny, right. like, these are like I said, these are like usually the things that I don't know, like Marshall's been hunting a long time since he was a kid and all these things. And like, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm making these mistakes that I normally would have made when I was like 10, 11 at like 32. And so people start to look at you like, dude, like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. These little things that like, you know, you normally like forgetting your release or something. Like it's just, you know, you're learning. I'm learning. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> I did that a couple of years ago. I took my little guy out for a deer hunt. Sure enough, you get in the stand. I don't have my release on. I didn't think we were seeing anything. Sure enough, five deer come out. I don't have a release on. <laughs> we got both take some pictures. Yeah. 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 Um, I I think I need to make you guys like a checklist or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. I think, yeah. <laughs> probably. But uh, I'll tell you, it happened to me a, a while back. I was home from college, and uh, I think it was the day after Christmas or something, and my neighbor called. And she was in a panic and she said, there's a mountain lion stalking my husband off the, the county road. I was like, I'll be there in three minutes. And I grabbed this uh, Marlin 4570 that I had. Um, and I hadn't shot the thing very much. I'd only had it for a few months. And I went flying down this road. It's all icy. And I'm going, you know, just bobsledding down the road. And I see this guy and he's got these two Vizsla um, bird dogs that he walked every day and he's holding on to them with one hand and he's pointing down off the side of the road with his other hand. He looked really casual and I thought he was just pointing at a track or something. So I walk over there all slow, rifle dangling from my arm and this freaking lion's right there. It's three yards away and his shoulder oh up and up and down and tail swishing back and forth. And he's just been pinned down there for the last... 20 minutes for his wife to get back to the house call for me to get there and he was afraid that if he moved that his thing was going to jump on him and i cocked the hammer back on that rifle and went click and dropped the hammer on the safety because it has a hammer and a safety yeah this guy goes oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i was definitely thinking the same thing and i cocked the hammer took the safety off you know killed the lion you know, killed it a couple more times and, uh, yeah, went home and changed my pants probably, but uh, <laughs> yeah, That's it's awesome. easy to, easy to make a mistake and, and fun to look back on most of the time. But yeah. certainly, uh, if you're going to go into grizzly country, I think, um, you know, bear, bear spray is, is, uh, is a good thing to have, but you know, you probably got to have a pistol and then if you're going to carry a rifle i always tell people to bring bullets for it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm learning we're going to go back next year for sure yeah. i'm going to redeem myself yeah <laughs> all right cool um so kevin what are you excited about for this uh for this newfoundland deal just excited to be able to go yeah that, that's that's first part uh you know i i haven't been there yet uh partial owner in it and I haven't seen it, but, uh, so Marshall, Marshall, Marshall had, uh, you know, nothing but awesome things to say about it when he went up there. Um, the animals, the experience, the whole thing, um, is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, I've, you know, I've never harvested a moose or caribou and, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting up there and spend some time. Um, the other thing that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, like I said, we did the veteran hunt this year out of Colorado, but it's something that we're hoping to bring up to, to our lodge up there in Newfoundland and, and uh, you know, have have some good some good people, some good conversation, and uh, you know, harvest harvest some cool animals, and, and it'll be it'll be really cool uh, a cool experience to be a part of. Um, that's that's uh, we're we're definitely looking forward to sharing with people. Yeah, that'll that'll be neat. Are you gonna um, try and get some Canadian veterans up there as well? Yeah, I think I think we'll. I don't know. If, we'll probably start off with one a year, Marsh. Yeah. I think that's we what we had talked about, but we'll see kind of how that goes over the next couple of years. And then we, you know, we have a, I have a number of candidates already, some guys that I've, I've been, uh, been fortunate to get to know, uh, that, that, uh, definitely would be good candidates to do it. And I'm obviously the, the Canadian special forces and the and army guys up there that, that, um, work just alongside the Americans as well. Just deserve as much of a chance as, as any Americans do. So yeah, any, any veteran or, or person that served to, to get up there and spend some time with us would be great. Obviously, Marsh is a Canadian, so it hits home with them as well. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes and um, we'll hopefully be able to share some cool experience with a lot of people. Yeah, we want to walk before we run. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves before, you know, we want to make sure that we do it right. And, and you know, when we get up there, and uh, you know, everything kind of runs smooth. So, you know, we'll start smaller and then try to go from there. 
So if people are interested in, in learning more about that, if, if they want to book a woodland caribou hunt or, or moose hunt or bear hunt, like where do they go? How do they find out about it? So we have a website, uh, March and Milko Outfitters, uh, dot com. Uh, they can go on there. We're also on uh, Instagram, March Milko Outfitters. Um, and uh, that has, you know, all the information that, uh, um, that they need. Um, they can also reach us by email, marchandmilko at g- gmail.com or uh, give us a shout at 267-541-7878. Uh, any, That's any March- of personal number right there by the way yeah that's my um, cell anytime number, so. he's available yeah anytime of the night give me a show <laughs> um all of our information everything's on all those platforms and um you know like like i said that is my direct number and and uh you know we'll get you any any information that's necessary but um I, it is an awesome hunt the caribou one is 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 uh, i fell in love with caribou hunting there last year when i did it and um, that, that, that's, it, it's, they're, they're phenomenal animals. I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about them before I started hunting them and they're, they're, it's an awesome hunt, uh, in the moose. I mean, they're just, it's incredible when you see them, how big they are. So it's a fun hunt. And, uh, you know, what, like I said, we'll, we'll obviously do everything we can to make it an enjoyable trip and make it a successful one, but it's, uh, it's fun. One. Are you going to accept flyers fans as uh, clients? <laughs> yeah, we don't mind the Flyers fans as much. If you're a Toronto fan, we might have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least he's honest. At least yeah. he's honest. <laughs> if you call, just don't say you're from Toronto. Say you're from a different province or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm flying in from Alberta. I'll be there next week. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping to be able to get up there either this year or next year. Um, and, uh, those, those woodland caribou are so pretty. They're such cool animals and the terrain that you're hunting them in. Um, I mean, that's just, that's a really neat hunt. And a lot of caribou hunts are really inaccessible. Um, and you can get weathered out if you're going to Alaska, you know, you can be covered up in bugs so bad that you just want to shoot yourself with your own bow. Um, but from what I've seen of what you guys have up there, it, it looks pretty, pretty awesome. And the fact that you can, you know, potentially mix in moose and bear with that, like that's, that's a hell of an opportunity. Yeah, it is. I mean, that, that's, I think the one thing that, uh, you know, we, we won't claim to have the biggest moose in the world. We don't have the Yukon or the Alaskan moose. I mean, they're just, they're not as big, which I mean, that's where the price differential is as well. I mean, it's a much more affordable hunt. Um, we sell ours at 6,500 and, and I think the Yukon hunts are 2,500 or 25,000. So, but I mean, we still have 50 inch moose and 55 inch moose. And and so there's some big moose up there. And I think the one I shot was 40, 40 inches or something like that, but beautiful rack. And, um, yeah, I mean, the caribou, I mean, our success rates are hundred percent on caribou and they were up around that for moose this year. I think we had one guy that didn't shoot a moose. He chose not to. He had a rifle and could have shot a moose at 20 yards. So um, there, it's it's a great opportunity, hunt, especially you talk about the the caribou and the bear and the moose combo. Um, that's the cool thing about it is, depending on what you want, you can. There's different areas that have all three, or or better for one, or better for another, and um, that's the cool thing about the terrain up there is it it it's you can go anywhere and there's so many different areas that that are, are great for each each animal so uh, you talk about the terrain it is it's a it can be difficult to hunt in it's boggy and then there's a huge hills and um the thick trees that they have there there's different kinds of terrain in the same country and it's it, it's just such a unique hunt. It, it is like a little bit of a mini alaska yeah. um on a smaller extent but uh you know, then we have good fishing as well early in the year and stuff like that. So there's a lot of good opportunity, lots of partridge. So if you're into that kind of thing. The the last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and I neglected to bring this up earlier, but uh, you do some bow hunting in like downtown Boston, more or less, right? <laughs> yeah. Behind the garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I, we live in, in a condo building. There's turkeys like out back. And I was like... <laughs> I might be able to sneak an arrow in one of them, but uh, no, yeah, like 
that's the good thing about bow hunting too is is around here um and you can get in some bigger woods if you you know drive a couple hours away but uh, a lot of it's suburban hunting and you know you're hunting small parcels of land and uh, you get into these town programs where they only allow X amount of hunters in and they're only 20, 20 minutes outside of Boston, 25 minutes outside of Boston. And, you know, so I could sneak out there before practice the odd day or after practice and, you know, tell them, Hey, I need you after practice. I shot one this morning. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we find our way to get it in. It's not the same. Uh, Millsy and I just got back from Illinois, actually went on deer hunt out there and, it was so cool being out there because you don't hear any cars or anything when you're in the woods. And here, I mean, that's all you can hear, just cars whipping by constantly. So it's different hunting, but you're still able to get in the woods and, and see some animals and stuff like that, which is, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's neat. And uh, people can can get a little bit spun out about Western hunting and think that, like, that's the, the be-all and end-all. But if you want to do it, you can probably hunt where you are, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. So I have a camera out right now. I had three <laughs> pictures today. I had a big eight-point, a horse, and a family with a dog. <laughs> the same camera. Nice. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's yeah, it's it's different. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, wherever you are, there's there's ways that you can hunt. You just have to find, you know, how to do it. And sometimes it's a process. And, um you know, it can be a pain, but you know, once you do get it dialed in, it, it's obviously worth it. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. Um, and, uh, look forward to, to watching all this stuff develop. And, uh, for, for those folks listening, you really need to give these boys a look if, uh, if caribou or moose or, or black bears on your list, cause they got a pretty cool thing going on up there. We appreciate it. We look forward yeah. to getting you Pat and Tom up there soon. Should be fun. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. This episode was edited by Emily Brannigan, with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Artwork for the Six Ranch podcast was created by John Chatterlin and digitized by Celia Christofferson. If you enjoyed the show, I encourage you to share it with a friend and subscribe. You can find photos and more content on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.